Get out of here, British lady. Why are you living in my computer? Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it looked like you were winding up to do. (laughs) Do my radio announcer voice. Welcome back to episode 110 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. I'm Christina. That's Amanda. She interrupted my fucking intro to say, yikes. Yeah. Because it was a yikes moment. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, dudes? Um, If you haven't noticed, we are not doing every episode weeks. Wait, what? Weeks? Wait. Episodes every week. God, words are hard, huh? Words are fucking hard. Um, For the next little bit, we're going to be going every other week because I'm moving again and we just bought a house and there's things that are happening. So Mm -hmm. I've got shit to do. I'm fucking busy. I am busy, you stupid dick. All right, but that was, the, I mean, anyway, just so you it. know. So um, <laughs> thanks for listening along with us and through us, with us, while we Listening get through, this. through us? <laughs> Listen, I'm having, I'm having a struggle. It's also <laughs> been a minute since we've recorded, so we're, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, you know? I'm having a struggle. Uh. <laughs> Did you just hear Tessa? No, but scare you a little bit. She's she's upset about something. <laughs> Making sure everybody knows it. Oh Lord. Lordy Lordy. Oh Lordy. Uh so what's up? What's Nothing. new? I mean, other um, than you got a house, so you'll be moving. We got a house, so we'll be moving. Like you said. Like I said. Um <laughs> I was dying, but now I'm not. So that's what the chaos before was. Yeah, dude, I've, I've, it's been a long time since I've been that sick. So (laughs) it wasn't the, the vid. It wasn't the vid. (laughs) It was not the vid. And, uh, I know it wasn't the vid because both my mom and dad got sick right after me and they were like, they got the sniffles and had a sinus and headache for like two days and we're fine I was like fuck both of you okay I'm sorry that I was dying for two weeks from the same fuck y'all all fucking thing you don't like me blow me I'm sorry whoa Eminem calm down (laughs) jeez that's my parents were talking about (laughs) okay well sorry I'm so sorry (laughs) Linda is a nice lady she is it's true Linda's a nice lady okay it's true but oh yes so things are kind of chaotic they're picking up amanda's all fronts amanda's decorating her house and looking at changing jobs mm-hmm. shifting things around shifting things around that's changing. about it is mm-hmm. everybody alive out there yeah are you guys good hey, like are you okay you is, tell me is your life as kind of weird and chaotic as ours or it just feels like there's things after things after things. Yesterday when Culver was being really sick, I really was just like, got no jobs. We have no money. Heads <laughs> are falling, falling off. off. <laughs> that was my attitude yesterday. I was like, just calm down. She's fine. Like, Look at that. She's not dying. She has an ear infection. <laughs> like, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, I hope y'all are doing all right because I feel like it's been forever since we've actually recorded because we recorded two the last mm-hmm. time and then it was like two weeks apart. So it's been almost a month. It has been. Fuck. 
back. Whoa. I was thinking about it. I'm like, I haven't seen you in person in like six weeks. <gasps> That's sad. Don't say don't... things like that. Stop it. I'm not happy about it. I'm and then not... I was going to visit next month, but now I'm like, okay, maybe I won't get a car if I'm going to be working closer to home. Cause right. I only have like a thousand dollars left to pay on this one. And then it's paid off. And then I was going to come in September, but now that's when we're going to be moving. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to there's swing that. There's no fucking way. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not going to be till October. Yeah, but it's fine. we'll be there in October. We'll be there in October. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. And you'll be in your new house. Yes. It'll, just, it'll be good. It'll be nice. Anyway, <laughs> do you have a story? I do. Sweet. You want to tell me? It's terrible. Are you oh, excited? It's terrible. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> you ever heard of the Bellevue Massacre? I don't know that I have. Sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you any details about it. Well, you're about to fucking find them out. So well, you're, you'll learn today. <laughs> you'll, you'll, learn, you'll fucking learn today, kids. So uh January 4th, 1997. Prime mullet Amanda days. Oh, fuck yeah. That's where this picture came from over here behind me. Not that any of you can see it, but that's like 96, 97. Yeah. So while playing in the park in a Seattle suburb of Bellevue, hence the Bellevue Massacre, what? Um, what? <laughs> two young boys spotted what they thought to be a pile of clothes in the bushes. It's never a good Spoiler sign. Spoiler alert. It's not a pile of clothes. That was my guess. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> funny. Oh, God. Okay. So upon their return the park the next day they were like hey this fucking pile's still there and then they realized that hey it's not a fucking pile it's a human body gross so they ran home and their parents called the police and the bellevue police department responded um and they found the body of a young woman who was later identified as a 20 year old kimberly wilson uh she appeared to have been involved in a struggle and to have died by strangulation there was a cord wrapped around her neck and she had been beaten with a blunt object. Jeez. So she was like... All of the above. Yeah. Uh, it was determined that she only lived a couple of blocks away and after like, they secured and processed the scene, the police just basically made their way down the street to inform their next of kin. Okay. So uh, there were three cars parked in front of the house and the outside Christmas lights were still on, uh, but the inside house, like, was all dark. Uh, when no one answered, the police officer went to a sliding glass door on the side of the house, and it was unlocked. So he opened it and leaned into the house and called out, and they received no reply. So he drew his gun and entered the house. And what he found upstairs was not good. I'm scared. Uh there was blood spattered on all the walls and the ceilings in the master bedroom. The body of a middle-aged woman was lying in her bed where she had evidently been attacked. Her head had been crushed by repeated blows from a heavy blunt object and her throat had through and through stab wounds. Jeez. Near the front of another bed in the same room lay the body of a middle-aged man, heavy blows to had crushed his skull and he had also suffered number numerous stab wounds to the face neck and head oh my gosh then this just is... on 
It's fucking brutal. It's not okay. funny. I'm sorry. I'm not. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I get it. I giggle when I'm trying to like tell things or I have to like <sighs> take a deep breath because I get all tight in the chest. Okay. So just on the hall in another bedroom lay the body of a teenage girl. Unlike the other two victims, she had appeared to have there there had been a struggle basically mm-hmm. um, she had defensive injuries to her hands stabbing and slashing wounds uh, and her arms there was a broken bone by a blunt impact she had also been beaten repeatedly in the face head and her throat and head bore numerous stab wounds as well so what they uh, she was the most severely injured and it was concluded that she had heard the commotion from her parents room gone to investigate before being chased by the attacker or attackers and then fought desperately for her life poor thing um so they were obviously it was her kimberly's parents and her sister that were Mm -hmm. murdered her father william wilson worked as an accountant for a steel firm in nearby kirkland where he was reportedly well liked by his coworkers and described by his bosses eager very loyal and a good employee her mother, Rose, worked as an accounting supervisor at the University of Washington Library, where colleagues described her as friendly and outgoing. Her sister, Julie, was a senior at Bellevue High School, where she was recalled as a sweet, shy young girl, and she had a close circle of friends and was said to have been excited about her recent acceptance into Central Washington University. So mm-hmm. Kimberly, who had graduated from the same high school in 1995, was described as having a strong-willed independent streak marching to the beat of her different drummer, she had joined the AmeriCorps, President Clinton's National Service Program, and had recently been in San Diego for basic training before coming home for the holidays. Okay. According to a high school counselor, Kimberly had her share of teenage like parent clashes. There was tension in the household during her last couple of years of high school. Uh, police had been called to the Wilson home less than a week before December 28th, 1996, on a domestic disturbance call stemming from a dispute between Kimberly and her parents it was mostly just yelling and shouting though right someone called being like there's chaos happening yeah but so they couldn't they didn't really have anything to go on Right. right at the moment so the neighborhood was terrified by the murders, especially because the police did not have any motives or subject suspects. Autopsies revealed that Kimberly had indeed been strangled with a rope found around her neck. She had also been kicked or stomped with enough force to break three of her ribs and to injure her kidneys and spleen. There was no evidence of sexual assault. Uh, William Rose and Julia had all been stabbed in the neck and beaten in their heads. No weapons were found in the house or in the yard. So they took all of that stuff that they did everything with with them? Yes. Weird. Okay. So at first, investigators feared that due to the level of violence um, that they would be dealing with a perpetrator who was a stranger and might strike again. Okay. But then they started to look into the lives of the victims and found a link between Kimberly and what was known as the Saturday Night Denny's Club. Okay, so sounds like sounds like a, a the the drama club or something because <laughs> that was what we did. This was a name for a small group of high school friends who hung out at a nearby restaurant, Denny's. Denny's, <laughs> and but they talked about role playing games in which they pretended to be vampires, ghosts, witches, or fallen angels, and they were goths basically. So they were nineties, late nineties goths. 
Okay. Um, Damien Eccles type, if you're... Yes. (laughs) And although Kimberly was not one of the group, she had friends who were and had briefly dated one of the members named David Anderson. Okay. So he was a high school dropout along with his best friend, Alex Barony, I think is how you say it. Okay. Um, was also heavily into fantasy role play games, but based on a tip from one of the group, it was discovered that these two had begun talking about death and expressing an interest in murder. Um, at the time, it was kind of written off as just tough talk. These two guys are trying to be cool in the goth scene and murder and death and blah, 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 right, blah, blah. Right. Um, but another witness who was interviewed from this group had said that they told the police that he had had a conversation with Anderson as early as 95 in which he had showed him knives and claimed he was going to commit a murder. Okay. So there's a little more physical, like, Mm -hmm. so when neighbors revealed that Anderson and Barony had left uh, Barony's home on the night of January 3rd, 97, wearing trench coats and had failed to return until before 3 AM the following morning, police decided to question the boys. Okay. So, Investigators questioned and interviewed both Barney and Anderson at their residences. Both claimed to have been playing video games at Barney's home on the night of the murders. Police examined the boys' shoes to compare them with a distinctive shoe tread pattern that they had discovered at the crime scene. Barney showed the detective some brown work shoes, claiming they were his only pair of shoes. That's it. That's all I got. Uh, witnesses and Barney's claims disputed the that both boys had played video games all night at Barney's house. They said that they saw them leave like i'd said before right um a close friend had told authorities that they that he had boots with a similar tread pattern to the ones found at the crime scene um searching the wilson's household again to discover two different kinds of bloody footprints indicating that at least two individuals had committed the murders so five days after first speaking with them barney Uh, admitted to them that he and his accomplice had murdered the wilsons so he admitted to it rough that was that was hard yeah (laughs) just let it all out kid so he told authorities that he had killed Kim first, strangling her at the park. And after he realized that Kim might have told her parents where she was going to meet him that night and decided to kill them as well. He went into the Wilson's home with a baseball bat and a combat knife and began to beat Rose Wilson with the bat, awakening her sleeping husband, Bill. When Bill came to his wife's defense, he beat and stabbed him to death. He then stabbed Rose with a knife, went upstairs to kill her daughter, Julia, before returning to his home. He took a telephone, a CD player, and a VCR from the Wilson house. I, okay. <laughs> he refi- that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shit. He refused to name his accomplice to the detectives, who it was later discovered to be David Anderson. Following further investigations, David Anderson was brought in for another round of questioning, and this time he claimed that he had lied to detectives when he told them that he had been with Barony that night, the night of the murders. He claimed that on that night of the murders, he had been driving a truck belonging to his girlfriend's father between the cities of Bellevue and Seattle. Anderson also claimed he knew Barony had been planning the Wilson's murder for a while. He cited the friendship between himself and Kim Wilson as Barony's only connection to Kim. So he knew that he was planning to do this and was just like, that's what he said. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. However. Three people who lived near Barony's residence contra- contradicted Anderson's statement. They claimed that they saw the two boys leaving the house together at the same time on the night of the murders. Detectives searched the households of both boys and took items Barony had stolen, in addition to bloody shoes matching the shoe tread pattern at the crime scene. D- 
DNA tests on these items trace back to the Wilsons. Okay. Although the motives behind the murders were unclear, the boys exhibited what they determined to be psychological disturbances when they were brought in for questioning. When Alex Barony was questioned about his motives, he calmly replied that he wanted to kill someone because he was in a rut. I guess that's one way to shake up things. Yep. Dude. And then testimonies by Barony and Anderson led investigators to suggest that they had killed the Wilson family basically just to experience the thrill of killing someone. I fucking hate that reasoning. Like, Mm -hmm. that seems to come up like a decent chunk of the times that we like talk about murder like i just wanted to you know very edmund kemper i wanted yes. to see what it felt like to kill grandma like yeah. calm the no, fuck down i don't understand but okay i have never ever in my life been like hmm, i wonder what it's like to kill somebody i'm always like oh my god i hate the fact that that i, I don't like that imagine at all it. i can't imagine it okay anyway go on so however this is where we get to they had the detectives had also found a promissory note signed by Anderson and dated June of 1996. The note promised that Kimberly would be paid $500 by September of 1996. This money was apparently a debt incurred by Anderson during the course of the previous two years. Anderson had told several people that he was angry that Kimberly insisted that he owed her money and was pursuing payment for it. He told at least one person that he was considering killing Kimberly because of the debt. For $500? hmm Okay. A number of photographs of Anderson had been found in Kimberly's bedroom and detectives learned that Anderson and Kimberly had dated on and off for several years. Shortly before the time of her death, Kimberly had disclosed to a friend that she may be gay, um, may be gay and to several close friends as well. Anderson complained to a friend that Kimberly refused to have sex with him. And on that occasion, and in several subsequent conversations with his friend, he declared his intent to kill Kimberly. Either way, he, the options thus far, I just felt like killing somebody. I wanted to see what it was like. Um, I owed her $500 and she was making me pay her back. So I was going to kill her. Um, she wouldn't have sex with me and she was thinking maybe she was gay. And so I'm going to kill her. Yes. I don't. Okay. All right. Yeah. He actually described a scenario to a friend in which Barony would entice Kimberly to accompany him somewhere. And then Anderson would strangle her and stab her to death. All right. So I think Anderson did it and he mm-hmm. was the dominant one in the partnership between him and Alex Barony. Right. So Alex He's took the one the, that kind of stirred up the Alex get everything going. Basically did what he was told and that's why he didn't give up Anderson when he was um confessing and stuff like that. What a little bitch. So both defendants were 17 at the time of the murders and they were charged with first degree murder as adults. Prosecutors plan to try them together, and the trial began in October of 1998. But jury selection was halted when the Washington State Supreme Court made a ruling that made it easier for defendants to offer a diminished mental capacity defense. Okay. So in light of that ruling, uh, Barony's attorney refiled a motion to allow the expert testimony of a San Diego-based psychologist who had diagnosed Barony as suffering from bipolar disorder or manic depression, um, so that he should be able to be tried under diminished capacity the superior court judge michael spearman ruled that under the new guidelines alex barony was entitled to pursue a diminished capacity defense and that in order to do so fairly he and anderson should be tried separately so the three weeks after the trial began for um 
Alex Barony, he was quickly found guilty on all four counts of aggravated first degree murder. Um, he swallowed hard when the verdicts were announced, but otherwise showed no reaction. Okay. Uh, two months later, he was sentenced to four consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. Uh, relatives of the Wilson family, who had also sat through the trial, sat quietly in the courtroom as the judge announced the life sentences. When he asked if he had anything to say, Barony replied with, no, I don't think so. Sweet. So one week after he was put away for life, Anderson went on trial for his part of the murders. Prosecutors painted a picture of a charming, manipulative young man bent on revenge. Despite all of the damaging testimony against Anderson, one juror held out against conviction, which resulted in a hung jury. Prosecutors then had to retry the case. Um, he Anderson fired his lawyers between then and um, got a new defense team. But for the most part, the second trial was a copy of the first one. Uh, but with instead of trying to pin the murders exclusively on, on Barony, Anderson's lawyers now claim that there had been a second person involved, but it was not Anderson. So they changed their defense. Okay. However, the jury did not believe this, and they reached the verdict uh, to match Barony's at the same time, deciding in six hours that Anderson was guilty on all four counts of aggravated first-degree murder. And as the verdict were read, Anders sat straight-backed and expressionless. Uh, he was sentenced to four consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. But 20 years after the murders, in 2018, Washington Supreme Court ruled that a life sentence for juveniles convicted of aggravated murder constitutes cruel punishment and is unconstitutional, and their sentences are currently under review. How old were they? 17. 17. Okay, so I'm sorry, you're basically 18. You're an adult. Yeah, I... mm, mm, Like, when a 13-year-old? Right, right gets a life sentence I can see where it's like okay we should re-review things and see you know obviously crazy stuff happens but you don't have like your brain is so underdeveloped at that point that it's like well and it's not like they're gonna get to walk it's they yeah they're being under review so it may they may review them and determine that you're like okay yeah that's fine yeah so but they nothing has been determined weird and that is the case of the Bellevue Massacre yeah, no, I've never heard of that, I don't think. I hadn't either. Hmm. I don't know why, but I decided to, I was like, mass killings. That's what my search was. <laughs> like, It's that's okay. What I- Mine was fraudsters. Uh, I looked up because I was like, I can't do any more baby killers. And then you know how it like shows, if you're all using the same Wi-Fi, it'll sometimes show. Melinda's like, who the hell was searching for mass killers? <laughs> I was like, Me. That was me. That was me. Hi. That was me. <laughs> Should I be worried? Not today. <laughs> no, no, actually, it's not like I'm planning. <laughs> if I was going to plan, I wouldn't use a discoverable Wi-Fi. Come on. Okay, come on. I have a private thing on my phone. All right. Okay. Um, shit. Interesting. I, I can't believe I haven't heard of that because that's like not that old no you know what i mean like it's huh it was very brutal like it wasn't yeah beating and stabbing and slicing and tying things around people's necks yeah like dude you spent a lot of time on doing all sorts of stuff to these poor people that's so sad Ugh. thank you for the thumbs down that's what i 
feel about those people. Not about your storytelling. <laughs> about those people. About those people. That was the worst story. Good job. <laughs> that was the worst story ever. You did wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. All. all right. Bitch Nacho, it's your turn. Bitch Nacho? What's that? I don't know. All right. Instead sweet. of Muchacho, I said Bitch Nacho. It's like Nacho Libre. Bitch Nacho Libre. <laughs> bitch Nacho Libre. I don't. Libre? <laughs> I don't. Hold on, I got I got to pull up my story because I was unprepared. I was unprepared for you. So, <laughs> my story is the biggest this bitch story. This bitch. I've researched in quite a while, but let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to tell just... you about Tanya Head. Okay. Car. Just someone so, with the name Tanya, I immediately assume is a bitch. A Tanya. Tanya. <laughs> Same so, with Brian's. I just assume they're dicks. Sorry, right, guys. No. Any sorry, anyone who's listening that's name is Tanya or Brian, but chances like, are you're a you bitch. might, you <laughs> might be a bitch or a dick or my mom pulled out prick yesterday when they came to visit, and I was like, prick, good one. Who came to visit? Mom and dad. Oh they came and they, they got had lunch and grabbed some wood and dropped off a chair and came to see the house and stuff. I thought you were, the way you said it made me feel like someone came to visit them, but you didn't tell me who came to, I'm sorry. Oh, no, they came here. We were eating lunch and then we were talking about somebody, I can't remember who. And she's just like, yeah, he's a, a prick. I was like, I was going to say dick, but same thing. Yeah, same. <laughs> nice. Good, good choice of adjective there. Right. Uh, so Tanya Head was a 9-11 survivor. Uh, she was a global invest in global investment and worked in the South Tower on the 78th floor. Um, she was one of the only 19 people that had survived over the impact over like the 50th floor in the South Tower. Okay. So there weren't a lot that actually made it down. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, her fiance was working in the North Tower and he didn't survive. Uh, the firefighter, she had told her story and she said that she had gotten down to the lower levels and a firefighter actually came and carried her out of the building because she suffered like massive burns on her arms and like up to her shoulders. Uh, anyway, so she says she remembers the firefighter picking her up and carrying her. And the next thing she remembers is waking up in the hospital with her arms burnt and the news that her to be husband hadn't made it okay they couldn't find him so in 2004 tanya became a member of the world trade center survivor network that's when it was established and everything was kind of put together um she became an active member finding professional trauma experts to help the survivors and also helped in getting state funding for the group in order to make memorials and kind of have their their gatherings and everything okay um she was also a main face in the effort to get survivors and families of victims access to ground zero for mourning and closure and whatever before it was opened up as the uh, memorial it is mm -hmm. uh this is known they a lot of the survivors called this the pit which kind of 
it's because it sinks right now the way it is is it's it's it is a pit yeah no and they called it the they called it the pit and I was like I had never heard that before when I looked into Mm -hmm. it and um if you remember a lot of bodies like Mm -hmm. weren't discovered like they couldn't find everybody which is absolutely mind-boggling to me well some of them Um, are probably incinerated right but like so there were bodies there at ground zero it was just basically needless to say she was the face of the group and she's kind Mm -hmm. of turned into like the poster child to try to get all these things which was good because she managed to do it she was also quite a role model to these other survivors because she was so like strong and vivacious and like pushing the limits of what she could do with what had happened to her right Mm -hmm. um she also advocated like writing your stories down so she would send out these emails with like her story and like what they're doing afterwards and whatever to the people of this group and one of her stories was that she watched her assistant get decapitated by um some rubble that was falling um she also said she was going past a man in the building that obviously wasn't going to make it because he was pinned and he like handed her his wedding ring and asked her told her his name and asked her to find his wife and give it to her um and she'd send out these long mass emails about all these different things and it's just it was just a lot and everybody was very like wow, I can't believe she went through all this stuff. She has so many like stories. Uh, The more details that she gave, the more, and the more that she wrote these stories, the more people began kind of questioning things because they weren't lining up exactly right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like at first she said that she was carried out by a firefighter and she didn't remember anything until the hospital. Then all of a sudden she has this story of like this guy handing her her, his ring and whatever. Um, so such as in one breath, she would say that she lost her husband when in the next story, she'd say it was her fiance, like little things like that, where they're like, okay, that's a little weird, but you know, it's excusable. Maybe she mm-hmm. just assumes him as her husband since they didn't get to that point because he died. Right. And you know, it just stuff like that where, and then they'd ask her like who he was, she'd give a full name, they'd look it up and it'd be a person who was not found in you know, it was, it was a victim of the 9-11 disaster. I don't know how else Mm -hmm. to put it. Um, so they were like, okay, well, we're just being suspicious for no reason. Like there's obviously there's reasoning that she's remembering more now. Right. Um, anyway, eventually there was side talk in the group about her stories and people started asking questions to others, like, why did this like certain things just didn't make sense like how did this happen if this also happened how did this happen um and at the same time people would feel guilty for questioning it because clearly she had burn scars like there was no right denying the fact that she was scarred from a burn on her arms um so it turns out that the new york times times had published a uh article a story about all of the surviving victims that were in the higher um levels those 19 victims right Mm -hmm. um and each of them told their stories and they interviewed them 
in 2002, but Tanya wasn't part of it. So the New York Times were kind of like, how did we miss this person who was part of this big, huge thing? And it was such a big deal that they all managed to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of got the media interested in Tanya because her story was so like outlandish and And dramatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anyway, (laughs) on September 9th of 2005, the 9-11 tribute center was opened, which was basically just a, it was like a memorial before everything else was made where it had like people's stories their faces victims stuff you know it's just a bunch of things to kind of go in and be able to see all the people that were impacted by it um this was a victim memorial and like tanya made had like pushed to have an area where people could sit and tell their stories to each other and it was just, it was a nice little memorial, but Tanya became the spokesperson to it. And she actually was the person who walked like the mayor through it and like highfalutin people that came in and they did like a TV special on it. And she walked through and she kind of clearly was very nervous and clearly mm-hmm. was stumbling over her words, which was really odd from what people said, because she was so out outspoken about everything that it was really weird to what people from what people said that she was like stumbling over her words and kind of stuttering and like not remembering what to say um so (laughs) that was one thing that they were like okay let's look at that but it brought her face onto the media even more so then it started a thing where different newspapers and different things were wanting to do stories on her and her story Mm -hmm. like specifically on her not just having her as one of the names and like a tidbit uh people in the group were uncomfortable with how excited she got afterwards because she sent like after doing this like walkthrough she sent like a mass email saying like oh I was so nervous and but it was so exciting to meet this person this person and everybody was kind of like the tone of this is a little weird when it's supposed to be this solemn memorial right thing like I understand it's exciting but she was like loving the attention and you could tell uh and uh, I'm sorry <clears throat> I'm like trying to not take a drink <laughs> take a drink my throat's all dry anywho uh now I'm sorry I totally did this like the thing where I was like r- saying the story not actually reading (laughs) again she began shifting her story when she started telling it to other media sources now um there was now a random man gotta keep it consistent i know if you're gonna lie lie right you know if you're gonna lie do it correctly um keep it consistent don't give too many details mm -hmm, short mm -hmm. sweet to the point don't give anything more or less than what you need to give yep Sorry, I'm teaching people how to lie, but if you're going to do it, do it correctly. That's what I'm saying. So now she said there was a random man in the building um, rather than the firefighter. And in an interview, another survivor said that as soon as she said that she was on the 78th floor, he had asked her, did you see the man with the red bandana? Because you remember that the man who was... um, on the 78th floor with the red bandana trying to get attention from Mm -hmm. 
whatever. Um, and she at first she said, yes, I saw him. And then it turned into that was the random man that put the fire out on her when she was on fire. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so now you're trying to like incorporate this story that somebody had brought up because, mm-hmm. you know, um, that that's when he became suspect that like survivor he's like nope something's up because that's weird that all of a sudden this is what it was because it was such a like high profile person in that like wouldn't you have known about that Mm -hmm. and been like able to say that right away uh on september 7th of 2006 so a year after this like memorial had opened um the new york daily news put an article out just on her um the new york times again like went wait a second how did we not interview her and so they were going to interview her as well um when they'd ask her things and they like looked into her husband or to be husband or whatever she called it at the time um he they went to interview their like family because it was a victim right Mm -hmm. they had never heard of this tanya girl he was not engaged he was not married he was not Mm -hmm. you know and they're like okay so then they started digging and it's the new york times so they got sources Mm -hmm. so they got all up in the deep Mm -hmm. crevices you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. deep in there (laughs) oh excuse me for I'm sorry. She's really gassy today. The I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Around. Oh my God. Bring it back. Bring it back. No, for real though. I got like the gurgle burp. So like I burp and then there's like things with it. You so have to like. <clears throat> bitch is real gassy today. <laughs> sorry guys. This is an inappropriate time to be. Gassy? <laughs> burping. <laughs> um, another one of the stories that she, they like realized that wasn't true was she would be asked like who what was your assistant's name that got decapitated because that was like a big Mm -hmm. part of her story and she so they could contact the family to interview them that's like the biggest thing is it was just they were trying to do a story on her the new york times Mm -hmm. and then every time they try to get details so that they could contact outside people to get also stories about that corroborate her story basically exactly there was no it wasn't a thing she She's couldn't remember end. her assistant's name she said couldn't remember it you couldn't don't remember the chick you saw decapitated you don't remember her name and she's your assistant yeah i i don't fucking know uh <laughs> so when she realized that the heat was getting turned up on her that's we'll say that um she would go to other members of this group and friends and family and tell them not to talk to the media at all um that they were attacking her and basically just pull this like they're trying to make it seem like i'm making this up you mean she pulled the victim card yeah big time i mean this entire fucking time um so they told she would tell them that and they're like okay okay and then she sent out her major email saying that this was all happening right to all the different mm-hmm. people in this group um which made people go like what the fuck you've been so open about everything now why is it a big deal that they're asking you questions about it like mm-hmm. whoo so then the new york times published the front page story on tanya head it was titled sky full of lies 
heartbreaking tale fools entire nation oh no and it exposed everything she wasn't even there like like they're like in the country she wasn't even in the country when 9-11 happened so (laughs) uh you cunt she claimed that she had a degree from harvard harvard and an mba from uh stanford which no record found of her being a student there she claimed that she worked at merrill lynch the investment company obviously mm-hmm. um no record of her working for the com- company and there wasn't even a merrill lynch in the twin towers at that time um Cunt. then a spanish newspaper found that 10 days after 9-11 when tanya was supposedly in the hospital recovering from her burns she actually was enrolled in the barcelona in barcelona spain at a school Um, witnesses saying that they had physically seen her in class so she was there Uh, she also had told these classmates different stories about her arms and why they were burnt things like house fires car accidents even like a horseback riding story which all never were able to be like corroborated corroborated Mm. Uh, tanya's real name is alicia estevaz estava excuse me head she wasn't a U.S. citizen. She hadn't even come to the United States until 2003. Uh, turns out that her father and brother were fraudsters in, in uh, Spain. Mm. And literally, it looks like she literally traveled in order to live this whole life, this lie of a life. Um, I. That's Ew. like kind of the only information there is because since she didn't technically do anything against the law she just lied she didn't like steal any money in fact she like gave money to these Mm -hmm. projects and whatever she didn't do anything she actually did a lot of good with her lie yeah it doesn't make it okay you're still fucking liar yeah no it's so i'm like i have absolutely no sympathy this is very morally gray like you're i it's just kind of wild so she after all of this came out she flew back and they there's no word of on her because they had no reason to track her anymore so i have no idea where she is there's been like sightings of her in different places but nothing that's like and what it probably was and what it is is she was setting it up to be ahead of a fund thing for 9-11 and then you would have embezzled funds maybe that's probably I mean, you don't do all of this for no end game. There had to be some kind of end game. And uh, either that or she's just in some, she's some sort of like Munchausen type of thing where she wants the sympathy and the attention and the everything. And that's what drives her. Maybe. Yeah. Because I mean, like Munchausen, they don't necessarily get money for it. In fact, they're spending money on like medical bills usually. Mm hmm um unless you're gypsy blanchard and then Mm. they like get to go to disney world and disney world and shit but yeah that's the story of tanya head aka not tanya head aka who fucking knows anymore uh aka what a cunt yeah that's and that's the biggest thing is it's like okay yeah she didn't like steal anything from anybody she didn't technically actually helped people but but you're, you're using a national tragedy that you weren't a part of 
to get attention on yourself. Yeah. It's gross. Instead of the people that actually... It's smarmy and gross. So I thought that was super fucking interesting and annoying as shit. So I had to annoy you too. That was good. I mean, it was terrible, but you did a good job. I'd never heard of him before. Never heard of him. Hey, never heard of him. (laughs) Oh, well, shit, son. What? You got noises up there? Nick's being real fucking loud. Is he hollering? About something. Well, his voice is kind of penetrating anyway, so even if he wasn't hollering. Mm -hmm. Uh Anyway. Hi. Well, thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have a funny... Hold on, let me see if I can find it. Shit, yeah, let's talk about... I had to screenshot this because I was like, oh. Oh, that's... Oh, it's been a while since I got one. (laughs) Okay, so this person messaged me, look... I'm going to keep it 100 with you. So I know you're not going to hit me up with your sexy as fuck. Sexy as fuck with some big boobs and a nice fat ass. I would love to give you this big cock and get to know you a lot better. That was explicit. (laughs) (laughs) It was explicit and it didn't make sense. Look, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. So I know you're not going to hit me up but you're sexy as oh there's just no punctuation yeah so, so it it's like one <laughs> this is like the hey i know you're not gonna hit me up because i'm keeping it 100 so it's you're like not into that but just so you know i want this what's up i'm gonna give you this big cock and i'm like well this is we haven't even liked each other that's a comment on a picture because i haven't liked him so we can't even get to my profile can just see my profile picture bruh sir <laughs> i'm gonna need you to pipe the fuck down you go like jerk off and then think about what you're gonna comment <laughs> <laughs> like just you seem like you have a lot of pent-up energy <laughs> maybe you need to take care of that and then have a conversation <laughs> jeez shit just all right kids we'll see you in like two weeks yes bitch yes bitch yes bitch uh don't forget to spread the word and spread yourself and we're spreading the episodes so (laughs) just like we're spreading just like we're spreading out the episodes just wide open because we were spreading too thin (laughs) there's nothing worse than something being spread too thin man you like it thick and juicy thick and juicy yeah got that right (laughs) fuck all right bye guys my life man hey thanks for listening love you